Cinema Sex Ed contains strong language, sexual scenarios, and potentially offensive comments. It is intended for maturely immature audiences only. Rusty trombone. Hot Carl. Rim job. Toss my salad. Cinema Sex Ed. Cinema Sex Ed. Nipple clam. Chocolate coxicle. Pink taco. Hop on this, baby. Cinema Sex Ed. Cinema Sex Ed. Money shot. Anal intruder. Cleveland steamer. Gas mask. Cinema Sex Ed. Cinema Sex Ed. Reverse cowgirl. Yeehaw! Teabagging. Kama Sutra. Kama my face. Cinema Sex Ed. Cinema Sex Ed. I'm Miss Jenny. And I'm Miss Marcy. And, and class, class is, is in. in. Oh, it's been a while, Miss Jenny. It has been a while. It has been a while. Um, last month, we had a little bit of a hiatus because I was moving. Oh, and the new offices and studios of Genmar Films are gorgeous. We have a we're sitting by a hearth right now. Yeah, we're in front of a fireplace. It's very cozy. It is cozy. <laughs> Cozy, we can cuddle later. I know, I know. We're just on the, on the bearskin rug. Yes. Yeah. Like you could imagine Prince sprawled out in yes. a pair of black panties. Apparently he really liked black panties. Who doesn't? I'm wearing black panties right now. Well, I actually had a boyfriend who had a white cotton panty <laughs> fetish. Like he liked women in white cotton panties. Like so. grandma panties? Like yeah. like the high cut granny Yeah, panties? I mean, either extreme is a little bit questionable, whether it's the granny panty or the little girl panty. Either way, it's sort of like, ew. Yeah, yeah. Personal. Personal moments. Uh, so. I like a nice underpant. I, uh, you know. I would hope that Prince came to appreciate a purple pair of panties. Right. Say that. Seven times I, purple pair of panties, purple, purple pair of panties, purple pair of panties, purple pair of panties. So if you haven't guessed by now, uh, today we're going to be talking about the film Purple Rain. Yes, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to talk about a thing called Prince. A thing. A man called Prince. A film called Purple Rain. Purple Rain, Purple Rain. It was on our list, and it seemed appropriate to do now. We, uh, you know, Jenny and I were both really just deeply affected by the loss of Prince. He, his music and his art meant a lot to both of us, and we realized in talking about it so much that since the film was on our list, maybe this would be the appropriate time, out of respect. So we, yeah, it was important to us that you guys knew that we're not trying to be exploitive it, it's actually kind of funny for the two of us because we'd had a conversation before prince's passing about wanting to do something that was a little more had a little more flavor because we realized almost everything that we've covered is like whitey town white 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 <laughs> and the, uh and it's another story for another time, but, you know, Jungle Fever was on the table, which is something we will get around to 
because I like the movie and Marcy and I absolutely hate hates it. the movie. Which I think will be an interesting I'm not opposed to a little jungle fever, by the way. I've got jungle fever. She's got jungle fever. <laughs> by <movie>. all means. <laughs> uh, so, so that was kind of on our on our minds and then the other thing was we had been we've been very thoughtful about the fact that we keep covering things that were from certain eras that were you know (laughs) our time and so we thought oh well maybe we shouldn't do something but here we are doing something that's very much from our time from the 80s and but prince himself timeless timeless, you know of every generation because you know as we've talked about on the show by virtue of what I do, I have classes of every age. And, and from the youngest to the oldest, everybody was so affected by his passing. And, and so many people had Prince stories to tell me and talk about. And everybody really wanted to talk about it in class. They still do. Yeah. I had clients coming in who wanted to talk about it. So how did you learn? Personal. Personal moments. Where were you when you learned... Well, this will shock you, but I was at the gym. (laughs) Your second home. (laughs) A little bit of a, a little bit of a maybe minor addiction, but um, there's worse addictions. That's right. And um, I got a text and I just was like, whoa, I just, everything stopped. And it was one of those things where I immediately, I was actually, I was on the bike, I remember, and I just grabbed my phone and I kept going to all those hoax sites, hoping that I would find out that it was a hoax. And, and you know, I wouldn't believe it. Like, for hours, I wouldn't believe it. It seems, it still seems unreal. It's still, it's one of those that it still feels like, you know, there's going to be an album that comes out about it or a film. And he's going to go, surprise, I'm, I'm not really dead. Right. Like, this was all just a Like, when Joaquin Phoenix piece. was, you know... That weird rap guy for a while, and we all thought he'd lost his mind, but it was really for a film. Well, and there's, this has been one of those things that's happened a lot where there are false reports of right. celebrity deaths, and so I, I totally get it. I felt like, what? Somebody's fucking And as, as devastated as I was by David Bowie, and I still am, oof, like I can't even talk about it, Prince was so much younger, you know? Well, that's it too. Yeah, I mean, besides the fact that he seems like someone who has been around forever and would be for- around forever, he, he was what fifty seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was shocking. And although I don't really want to get into it, all the stuff that's coming out now about what the cause of death might be. I don't either. You know, we don't know what it was about, but we're not here to talk about that we're here to kind of celebrate and celebrate him and his art and his impact where were you when you found out miss jenny i was at a networking event i told you this story (laughs) i had been sort of offline all morning long and i was moving in the middle of this move and uh so i had no time for anything extra and i'm running to this networking event i'm there there for a very long time because Everybody's got to talk about themselves going around a table of about 100 people. And by the time it gets to me, I'm very focused. I know what I'm going to say when I get up to speak about who I am, where where I work, what kind of population I work with. And as my colleague hands me the mic and I'm standing up, she looks down and sees my shoes, which happened to be this 
purpley fuchsia color and says, oh, are you wearing those shoes today because Prince died? <gasps> right as I am getting up oh, out of the chair. my God. I know. I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> in front of all these people, I didn't understand what I was hearing. It was such a record scratch moment of, huh? And I just turned to everybody and just kind of apologized. I'm like, I'm sorry. I am just hearing that Prince died. I don't really remember what I said. I kind of babbled a little bit and then passed the microphone on and I was in a daze. And then it was down in Marina Del Rey and I was, a, afterwards I was about to leave and I was at the water and I just thought, why don't I just like stop? How often do I get down? Here we are in Los Angeles, we've got access to the ocean anytime, but how often do I go down and actually look at the ocean and actually spend five minutes in front of it? And I grew up on a lake, so I I love water. It's very, you know, grounding for me. So that's I really nice, that. Jenny, because uh, Prince, you know, dying so subtly and so young like that, it was one of those things where it makes made me go... Um, you know, you never just never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You're going along and, you know, you think you know what life is and then, oof, you know. Yeah. So you have to sort of, I'm sorry, I got a little choked up. <laughs> you have to sort of live each day and, you know, appreciate the moments and hold on to the people you love and tell them you love them and, and, and celebrate, you know, because yeah. that's all you can do. Right. And also honor your sadness when you have those moments. I mean, I had that moment and I had a full slate of clients that evening and I had a little bit of time in between. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to, I'm not a religious person, but I, I sort of said a prayer for Prince. It wasn't really a prayer, but like a thank you. And took it all in and like you said sort of really got myself present and what is what is good about this moment yeah because it felt so weird and so bad and it's so bad and and then I got into my car and I put on purple rain purple rain purple rain you know the valley brings my car around I get in there's like a car behind me I'm going from being very much like from this loving place to I'll move when I move. <laughs> I gotta put Prince on. Prince the died, goddammit. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, I'm, I'm driving I'm driving towards the office from from Marina Del Rey to Brentwood and I'm playing Prince and I'm blaring it and I'm thinking to myself, looking at all the people at every stop I make, like, do you know what just happened? What is going on? Like how can you not be listening to Prince? We should all be blaring Prince. That was just, to me, I, I think the celebration of him, too, is playing that music. Well, you know what's really interesting was that um, <clears throat> when he first died, of course, in this day of social media, every, you want to post something, you know? And um, my my first memory of Prince was the first time I ever heard Prince. I was a college freshman and I was a really young college freshman because I graduated high school really young because I'm a big smarty pants. I'm not going to lie. And um, I was also a very sheltered little Jewish girl. 
from a very sheltered little family. You're not going to lie. I'm not going to lie again. Why lie? And um, I was laying on my friend's dorm room floor and she was, you know, she was fast and she was from the East Coast and she smoked and she cracked her gum and... She had a purple bra, and uh, I, I thought she was just like, I could learn everything in the world from her, you know? She was just that person who was going to teach me how to be a, like a really cool adult college girl, and as opposed to the dorky little Jewess that I yeah. was. The education of Miss Marcy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, she she did, you know, she taught me a lot of like uh, little life hints, but she goes, well, you have to, you have to hear Prince. And of course, what song does she put on? Darling Nikki. Knew a girl named Nikki. I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I knew a girl named Nikki. Thought she was a sex machine. Sex fiend. Sex fiend. Met her in a hotel lobby. Masturbating to a magazine. I met her in a hotel lobby. Masturbating with a magazine. And I was like, my eyes opened up really wide. And I was like... Play me more, more, play me more. And there was something about Prince's music that made me feel dirty and nasty and naughty and free. Like all of those things. Like there was something about hearing that song that sort of made me go, the world is my sexual oyster. It's true. <laughs> it's true. He's, he had this sort of freedom in his music and his lyrics, uh, even before you ever saw him or saw him perform, you, know, you could feel it. It oozes in that music. Oozes sex. And, it and then you see him and he sees this tiny little fella. He's wee. He's our size. I he's know. five foot two. I mean, oh my God, he would like, fit right in here at Jen Mark he, Films. Yeah, he's a pocket person. So, you know, shout out to, to all us five, six and under. Marcy and I both, I'm five, one and a half. She's five, two. So, you know, we could have seen eye to eye with him. Shout out to the people who have to buy their leggings at the children's store. <laughs> and also, I used to always wear, especially in the 90s, you know, like giant heels like Prince too. Not oh, yeah, because of him. I just, I just happened to. That was the... Oh, I used to always... Yeah. So it's not strange to find out that later on he had hip issues and stuff from yeah. dancing in those. I have them. I mean, they're <laughs> heavy, like the weight of those shoes on you my You know legs. what? Whenever your hip hurts now, you'll just call it princeitis. <laughs> you have a little princeitis? You mean as opposed to my broken fuck joint, which is what I normally call uh, it. Either or. I think they're one and the same, aren't they? Yeah. I Yeah. It's always like, hmm, well, uh, it's a... Cheerleading injury. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I wanted to post that memory and a clip from Darling Nikki. And I couldn't find anything on YouTube. And I learned, come to find out, that um, Prince was so protective of his music yeah. that he, the minute anything went up on YouTube, he had it taken down. He would press charges. He would take legal action. Uh, he and, and then, sadly, with, within a week... You know, that all went to shit and there you can find everything everywhere because there's no he's not there policing. And again, we're not gonna get into it, but you know, we we're sending good vibes to that estate and I hope whatever it was that he intended oh, for no. to happen to it 
happens. But it's you know, this sad. Is, it's sad when someone doesn't leave a will. A really good friend of mine died last year without a will, and you know, luckily she has a really honest and wonderful family who is honoring her wishes, and uh, I have a lot of respect for them. You know, but that doesn't always happen. And they are not a sponsor, but. You know, it's as easy as legal Zoom, people. You know, <laughs> anything can happen at any moment. And I know people don't want to think about it because it's so unpleasant. I totally get it. But once it's done, you don't have to think about it anymore. Do it and then... I've left you Kiki in my will. Oh, okay. <laughs> winky dog. She's got a winky dog. A dog with one eye. It's like the cutest thing in the world. We would love to have Kiki here. I'm um, not planning on popping off, by the way. <laughs> no, no. But that's the thing. It's not, it's not about planning. I, do think, I don't know that maybe Prince was planning on it on some level. Maybe not. Some people were saying he was really depressed because of David Bowie and because of Vanity uh, passing. Oh, sad. And And I think, I mean, this happens to all of us. You know, when you start to lose people who are close to you or mm. you lose one person who's close to you when you're, even when you're young, you know, and you suddenly become really aware of your own mortality. It's, yeah. And, and what's your legacy going to be? And, you know, you know, the thing with that is, though, and I've lost a lot of people. And last year, uh, you know, for someone who was an age that really I shouldn't have been losing friends yet, I lost three of my best friends last year. Uh, to cancer, to Lou Gehrig's disease. Two to cancer, one to Lou Gehrig's disease. And um, uh, it was so devastating. And you do go through that thing where you're afraid of your, you know, you, you question your own mortality. But the thing is, then you don't. Then you go on. Then mm-hmm. you go, I don't know. We Life has this wonderful way of filling in the painful places mm-hmm. with happy places, you know, just when you think they're not going to. If you let them, yeah, you know, and it's about finding that balance between allowing yourself to feel the loss, which is really important and not denied it, but at the same time, finding ways like this to celebrate and honor what somebody's life intention was. And we're and talk about naughty, sexy stuff, which we're going to do. Yeah, so because we like to talk about the sex here I mean, on Cinema Sex Ed. Prince is a big, has been a big influential fixture in my family culture. Not so much with my parents, but between my siblings. My older sibling, Hallie, she she was the one who first introduced me to Prince, and it was long before Purple Rain. It was. Uh, Controversy is the one I really remember. But I do also remember the album covers too. I think it was For You or Prince, the ones that came right before it, and Dirty Mind. Uh, but I remember controversies. The picture of him in the purple jacket with the newsprints behind him. And that album came out in like 1980 or 1981. So I was like 10 or 11 years old. And I loved that album so much i loved the song jack you off i thought it was like <laughs> the most hilarious and fun and awesome song and i would listen to it and dance around my we were latchkey kids my mom was at work i mean i i knew what i was listening to at a certain point too and that made it even more delicious to sort of be like I'm dancing around with this really naughty thing. but it About was masturbation. About masturbation. How liberating. 
I mean, it was like speaking my language. Jenny's a big masturbator. <laughs> not as much at that time as I might be now, but um, and that has nothing to do with Yoko. That was a joke. It. I was not. I didn't really mean that. No, but I, I, I think it, it brought into mainstream. He brought into mainstream culture and pop culture for young people a language that wasn't there before. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. For me. You know, going from being like this extremely naive, and I mean, I you know, in the encyclopedia next to naive, there was a picture of me in a poncho and braids and glasses going, hello, um, <laughs> to, you know, just going, I, it is okay to have a sexual revolution in my pants, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I was the opposite because, you know, as we've talked about before, I grew up backstage and at the theater and exposed to a lot of things that most young people aren't right. that seemed very normal and blasé to me, uh, you know, like gay couples and like people running around half naked changing costumes and whatever the hell the play is about, you know, what watching cabaret being done when you're like eight years old and and understanding some of those undertones and then not understanding why other people your age don't so then you so then I'm listening to Prince or something and it's like oh okay so there are more people out there and there are artists and there's music and I mean things I already knew but it, it just made you feel less or made me feel less isolated in that way and give permission, sort of like you're talking about, to embrace that inner freak, whatever that happens to be. Uh, and and he did it with such style, too. I mean, and so much panache. There was... He was fearless. Yeah. He was a fearless artist. He was... Um, I just had... I just was always in awe of him. You know what the coolest thing is? Um, there is a vault. I'm sure you know of this. We There is enough music for them to release an album every year, probably for our lifetime of New Prince music. And that's something exciting to look forward to. And I hope the right person is in charge of doing that. And I hope the right person produces it. And, you know, I hope all of that. I mean... Who that will be is going to be very interesting because yeah. he was such a private person, right. which I really respect and which I actually think as an artist uh, and an artist today, too, is so difficult. Uh, I think it's important to be to be a little private when you're an artist because then the art can speak for itself and people can project onto it or take away whatever right. it is that they want. But it is so hard to be private today. Just... It's so everybody lives out loud, you know. Everybody, everything is all out there. TMZ following you around. I know, I know, and you know, the the internet is not private. Sometimes people do things on the internet that they think are very private, but you know, they can always be. Are we found talking out. about your sex tape again? <laughs> Stop, Jenny. <laughs> my my. <laughs> My sex tape with Wilfred Brimley. It was a crazy moment. Well, it was all that oatmeal that was, was. really very difficult to clean up. I mean, it being was. the PA on that it shoot. Was, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of fearlessness. <laughs> uh, that Wilfred Brimley packs a wallet, man. You know, the things He's, you can do with, his, with a man's mustache. <laughs> Wilfred is packing. <laughs>
Jenny and I at one point wanted to make a film with Abe Bogota and it was a it was a it was a love story. It was a love story. And we can never make it now. No. It was the a dream, lawn bowling the dream is over. The lawn bowling love story. Lawn bowling love story. With Abe Bogota. <sighs> About women who Ghosts love of Abe. Jenmar films back. <laughs> but back to Prince. Yes. Um, and and what what's what will happen to his music is a really good question because that's it's the other there. Thing. And he but he was such a but he was such a control freak himself. Yeah. But he was so prolific. There are people who are saying like he would write at least a song a day, and he they, he was just weird about it as well. Excuse I mean, he me. was such. It's okay. He was such a control. That freak. loud burbacious sound was me, Marcy, not Jenny. He was a control freak about it, and I understand that. You know, like he really wanted to control his message and right. how it was presented and everything. And I was trying to find information. I don't know if you found anything about what his training was, but he was mostly all self-taught. I mean, his yeah. parents were both jazz musicians, and in some ways, he was sort of like set up. Um, even his name was. He was given his name. His dad had the Prince Rogers trio and was his dad's nickname was Prince. And then when they had Prince, they named him Prince. And the dad even said at one point, like, I want my son to do everything that I never did. Something like that, where it's like no pressure, but all of their hopes and dreams really got poured into this tiny purple package. <laughs> um, Jenny, he's not actually purple. Oh, well, the important parts, I'm sure were. <laughs> I don't think he ever... Did he ever show his wiener? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he did somebody. Yeah, I... Uh, yep, pretty sure he did. He played multiple instruments. His first album, he played all the instruments, like 27 different instruments, all by himself. You know, and he, he, he always really knew what he wanted. When uh, when they were going to make Purple Rain, he was about... He, was, he had a few hits but he wasn't a huge name yet and he was about to sign a contract with his management company like re-sign with them and he said he wouldn't re-sign with them unless they could get a movie made and which was really risky because he wasn't that big a star yet and and I don't know they did it and they actually they matched the $500,000 that the production company they found was going to put up well what I what I read with some interviews with the director Albert Magnoli or something. I don't. I, I strangely, I don't have it written down. He, it, it. They had a script that had gone around town and everybody rejected it. It was apparently really bad. As opposed to the fabulous yes, one yes. So, that, that so was, I was made. Like, like oh. wow, there was something. Okay, I. I don't want to be completely disrespectful, but you know, the, the script of Purple Rain is not some sort of cinematic masterpiece. Not All the right. literary like You know thing. what? Before before we actually get into Purple Rain, let's why don't we uh talk about revisiting it? I cuz I Jenny and I had I think really uh different ways of watching it before we did the show. Rewatching it. You watched it at home, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did want to I did want to also talk about 
what we were talking about, like, okay, in I'm terms sorry. of getting it made. Okay. Like, you're right, because when they went out with all of that, like, it was really important to Prince to have, like, a concert. It, it was, like, he wanted people to see him. It was about the music. It wasn't about fame. And he, he anyway, said, you know, you can take this with a grain of salt, that it was about getting the music out there, right? It's not just about being famous and whatever. It was, you know, he didn't fancy himself some fantastic actor. It was about broadening the audience, like you're saying. And they were going to do it for a million dollars. But then eventually, I think it was Warner Brothers, They once they had a, a better script, <laughs> and they were taking it the around. fabulous script the that fabulous it was. Script. Uh, they were taking it around. People were like, okay, we could make this movie. And then Warner Brothers was like, okay, but let's do it Do it with John Travolta as the kid. <laughs> and could the, you imagine? Could you imagine? The director was like, no. The director didn't even want to take this meeting. It was like the management or producers who, uh, who were taking these movies for financing. But Prince and the director knew that they needed to do have full control, creative control, to make the movie that they wanted to make. But you know, no, we want the kid to be played by John Travolta. Oh I mean, my like, God. no. But eventually, so they walked away, and then they got the call, like, no, we will give you the fun- funding. So then they ended up making it for seven million, and Prince didn't end up having to put up any of his own money, which is great. Yeah. But but they were willing to do it. They were going to do it for a million dollars, like you said, like just out of and pocket. And he was, you know, I mean, the coolest thing is, he, like I said, he wasn't he wasn't a huge star yet, and he was, you know, I mean, everybody knew who he was, but he wasn't he wasn't you know Prince in the way we knew him yet. But everybody knew there was just something. He just had well, and then something. they were going to release it on like two hundred screens, and they did some test screenings, and because they thought like, crazy. oh, they're just, we're just going to do it in these urban markets, you know? They're thinking it's just like this little black film or something, yeah. And then they would test it. This is again back to the fine writing, but then they would test it, and it was testing off the charts. So then they expanded it to nine hundred screens or whatever, and and it made over sixty million, sixty seventy million dollars domestically, which. For seven million dollars, that's that's great. That doesn't happen nowadays. Yeah, that's ten times your budget. You're you, making. you know, they said it would be equivalent to something like one hundred fifty-five million dollars made today. Um, I when I when I saw it the first time in the theater, I mean, I've seen it in the theater both both times I saw it. Um, I just remember again because I think that I was, you know. Very shell like oh my god I've never seen anything like this, you know when I that was my memory of it seeing it then and and just again being really titillated titillation titillation. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I I realized when I looked up the release date, which was in July of eighty four was eighty four, um, that uh. I have a false memory because for some reason my memory was leaving school and going to see it. And my best friend Heather's sister drove. Obviously, we were like 13, like 12 or 13. Um, well, if it was 84, yeah, it was probably 13. And uh, we went to the nearest place that was showing it. So if it was actually released in the summer, it was probably, you know middle of the day 
we were, and I grew up outside of Detroit, we were the only white people in the theater, which did not phase me at all, but we were sitting right dead center in the middle of this, and it was the most amazing movie-going experience. I had never been to a movie theater where I was the minority, and... And there was a cultural shift. I'd never been to a movie where people are talking back to the screen dur during it. Things that now are sort of these cultural stereotypes and jokes right. and stuff like that. I wasn't even aware that that was a thing. I, it, I was just so sheltered in that regard that I, I didn't even realize like, oh, well, this is the thing. This wasn't it fabulous? Thing. It was hilarious and wonderful, and I, I was like, you didn't know where to look. Do I watch what's going on on the screen, or do I, I know what an experience? They're like, they're like, don't go with her, Prince. Don't go with her. Leave Apollonia. Like Apollonia's horrible. I love you. I mean, they were all like screaming back, and and I saw it in UCLA awe. at the Avco Cinema with a bunch of Jappy Jewish girls. So <laughs> I maybe, but you know. Nobody can be more oversexed than Japanese Jewish girls so, <laughs> in college. So, uh, <laughs> the under over, right? Like, yeah, it's uh, Westwood yeah. Village, Purple Rain. That was my first experience. Big awakening, I'm sure. Oh, hi. Dancing and him like crawling on the floor and humping the floor and just the, the sexuality. Of it at the time. We, I just remember music. we were just sitting there with our mouths open, you know, just. What I mean, there was already a little bit of a familiarity with the style thing right. because of Madonna, so like lace and um, and Prince, and, and I dressed the... just like Prince then, yes. so <laughs> I was very. Uh, you had a closet full of puffy shirts. I, well, you know, I had a lot of tight velvet pants and lacy things and high heels I, and yeah. I had some myself. I uh, had some of those even in the 90s. I'll have to dig I'm up. I'm wearing tight lace velvet pants right now, as a matter of fact. In honor just of in Prince. spirit. See, yeah. look, aren't they? So, With a peau de soie. The lace pattern. and the sort of borderline S&M gear, you know. Oh, I loved that. Yeah. And the I loved that stuff. Yeah. So, so I... Wow, wow, it really did awaken something in my, my little Jappy Princess over it here. It did. It Jappy did. Jappy Princess is kind of redundant. Yeah. Now, but you just call me a Jap. Although some people would take offense at that. I All right, not. I don't mean offense at that. I mean it in a No, I loving... don't take it, you know. And I'm uh, clearly not that way now, but I, you know, probably was then. I'm not going to, I'm just going to say I'm not going to lie again. That's my theme today, and I don't really say that a lot. Purple rain, purple rain. Um, I saw it uh, when he died here in Los Angeles. Well, I guess all over the country, they played in the theaters. And I saw it that Sunday night. I met a couple friends. It was kind of sad that night. I remember about, you know, various and sundry items. And uh, so it was weird to be there. And they, um, you know what? The price of the ticket was $7.84. And now I realize why. Isn't that interesting? At the Century that City... Was, was that the, the, the release? release yeah. July. At the Century City Mall, where tickets are usually like 
$16 for a movie. We were like, what? Was it packed? It was sold out, packed to the rafters. It was a Sunday night. Um, we were... Uh, but interesting, the Century City Mall, though, um, we had the cultural experience you had when you saw it in Detroit. You did? Yeah. Um, we were definitely the minority there. Everybody got to the movie early. You know, nowadays with reserved seating, usually, you know, when the lights go down, half the seats are empty. And then when the movie's over, you're like, oh, look, it was full. You know, everybody was in their seats early. Everybody was talking. It was a... Uh, it was like a weird, I mean, I don't think I'll ever forget that atmosphere. It was uh, just everybody really wanted to be there. And uh, people were yelling out during the movie and yelling out lines and singing along. And I cried throughout the whole thing. I, I don't know, you know, like I said, I think it was a combination of the movie and, you know, maybe other stuff. But I just remember like tears just streaming down my eyes the whole movie. But he... You know, uh, everybody was really emotional in the theater, and then, and then when the light, when the credits came, nobody left. We were all just sitting there, like nobody. It was almost like if we leave this theater, we're gonna say goodbye to Prince, and right. nobody. The the people from uh, the theater actually had to come in and say, "Okay, we have to clear out." People <laughs> were just else is in coming. in their seats. It was so weird, Jenny. Nobody got up. I've never had that experience before. I don't care. Imagine that it was almost like being at church, you know, yes. it's like this communal experience. Yes. I mean, how many, I don't even know if they had an official memorial service. I know they cremated him and they were, they I, I did. don't know what the whole, they did the whole Jehovah's witness thing is because he was a big Jehovah's witness. Yeah. No, they had a big memorial service. For he him. was really big into being a Jehovah's witness. That just sounds so ignorant. Um, so <laughs> forgive me, but, uh, his faith was such a big part of him. I'm sure they honored him in some way. You know way. what's so funny is that uh, when Michael Jackson saw Purple Rain, he walked out uh, halfway through. And he said, you know, the music was okay, but he's a really bad actor. That's what he said about Prince. And it's funny thinking now because they're both Jehovah Witness. And I don't think that was that's part of their religion to not talk that way about each other. Yeah. Shame on you, Michael Jackson. Or to be, yeah, critical in that way. But shame, was MJ. Such a competition between them. I saw things talking about uh, the rivalry between Prince and Michael Jackson and also Madonna, that those three kind of. <laughs> They're sort of the the trifecta. They're the uh, the holy trinity of the early '80s, right? You got I mean, yeah. literally, literally Madonna, right? Uh, but Madonna and Prince worked together. Or Madonna, I wonder if she's in her house right now, checking her pulse and taking her temperature. Well, man, she's gonna outlive us all. She I and know. Cher, man, they're gonna. And Tina Turner. I'm thinking of a Sandra Bernhard thing uh, bit where she talks about the, uh, you know, the apocalypse and nobody will survive except for Tina Turner. And <laughs> it's a fabulous bit, but I digress. But yeah, I mean, Prince, Prince's ability, he was, the, the sexuality that he was, I was affected when Michael Jackson died because it was, it was kind of a shock, but at the same time it wasn't. Uh, I appreciated his music. I can't say that it it's not... Um, 
It's not included in the soundtrack of my life. But I was never like this huge Michael Jackson fan. Yeah, me either. I mean, I I, get, I I appreciate his talent and all of that. But I was a much bigger Prince fan. And Michael Jackson was like the sweeter kind. Like, not that Prince wasn't sweet and kind. But like, was it was just the saccharine. It was the sugary. It was the PG-13 or G-rated. It was the Disney version the child, it was like the, the man trying to get back to his childhood as opposed to Prince, who was like the child trying to be the sexual man. I wanna be your lover. You know, it's it's interesting too. The other thing that Michael Jackson said when he walked out of program was, I don't like the way he treats women. And from everything I've heard, Prince was actually so amazingly wonderful to the women in his life. Okay, and this leads right into... Purple Rain stuff, though, because on second watch, you had that experience. I watched it at home with Yoko, um, rented it on Amazon Prime, and I was stunned at this movie that I remembered as being not great. Yeah, it sure wasn't. Of, like, Michael Jackson wasn't wrong. He's not yeah, it's great not actor. a good movie. Oof. Um, it's an impactful movie. It's and an entertaining movie. And the music is amazing. It's... it's, it's, it's yeah. Is it a movie or is it just like a music video which right. is just with some story? It yeah. reminds me of old Hollywood musicals or um, or Broadway musicals where, you know, you get a bunch of Cole Porter songs that you want to showcase and then you build a story around right. it. And that was really what the feel was. And that's all actually what the director said too when they were talking about putting together a story and what it was going to be like he asked prince he goes okay so we're gonna need about like 12 songs around that you know do you think you can do that he goes oh yeah uh, come on over to the studio i got it for you he came over had the guy listen to like some like 30 different songs and then gave him a demo tape of like a hundred songs here you go like oh, he just had like a hundred songs just hanging out just that he hadn't released just just here and the, the director in one of these interviews was saying, like, yeah, I still have those cassettes somewhere. Wow. I'll, I'll have to find them out. Could you imagine what wow. those must be like? But Purple Rain actually wasn't on those. That came later out of something else. But but just all that other music. Then they picked the ones that they thought would be best suited to the story that they'd beaten out. I thought it was, like, which is kind of how it felt to me watch, re-watching it was, well, it just seems like they picked a bunch of his songs and, like, let's just kind of build a story around it. Purple Rain is a deep longing or desire that will likely not be met. An example of Purple Rain is a woman being desperately in love with a married man. That's an interesting take on it. That's the meaning of the song, Purple Rain. Purple Rain, that's from the dictionary. And how, who? What's the source of that? Because I, Prince, so often didn't talk about the meanings of his songs, and there's like, a, which I kind of love too. There's a lot of mystery around what was he talking about, even in his political stuff. And I always think whenever I I think about that, I think about the song, and I think it's from Sign of the Times, Seven, like someday all seven must die. Which I always thought he's talking about the Supreme Court. Uh, that's just where my mind goes, but I don't know, you know, I'm sure listeners might have another take or knowledge about that song, but I love that we can kind of project into it or take away from it what we are, what, what we think it is. Right. But Purple Rain like that, I never heard that before. That's it's kind of It's from the dictionary. 
from the dictionary. Yeah. Well, the director said that he would go to while they while they were writing it and um, doing pre production that Prince was still performing every night and they were in Minnesota. And he would go and he would listen to all Prince's songs and be like, yeah, you know, we've got everything, but we still don't have the big number, the big thing for the end. We still don't have it. And night after night, it would be like, it's not there. And Prince would just be like, just, just keep listening. And then one night he did Purple Rain and the director was like, that's it. And Prince said, I think the film should be called Purple Rain too. <laughs> and, and he was like, yes. And the director was talking about how in Minnesota, because of the weather, it will often rain. And describing it, and I won't do it well, but I, I totally understood this from growing up in Michigan, which is not too different from Minnesota in terms of the Midwest and the seasons. That the, the color that the sky gets before rain is sort of where the blue and the gray and the green all kind of come together. And it does, it, it starts to look purple although in Michigan it always it would always bode like ah oh, shit man here comes a tornado and we're all rushing to the basement and my dad's always out on the front porch and his wife beater and his you know boxers or whatever um like girls get in the basement it's like you know <laughs> but wait a minute you're gonna get taken away by a tornado well yeah that didn't happen in LA <laughs> you know he was actually when he wrote Purple Rain he had just finished touring with 1999, and he kept playing the same venues that Bob Seger had played, and he kept saying, I don't understand why people like Bob Seger so much, because of those big ballads that he writes. So his keyboardist, Matt Fink, challenged him to write a big ballad. Like, maybe if you write a big ballad, maybe you'll understand more why people like, you know, it's sort of like a joke between him and his keyboardist, like a, a dare, and that's how Purple Rain happened. Purple Rain, Purple Rain. Fantastic. Yeah. I also heard that the drummer, I read that the drummer, he, Prince was like, yeah, he's not a very good, the, the drummer who played at least in the band, yeah, he's not a very good drummer, but he's my best friend. He was like his best friend. I think it was Bobby Z or whatever for a long time. And I love that, that he, he was like, he's my best friend and he follows me. Like they just, they'd known each other that long and he could Which admit like, so cool. you know, like he's not the greatest or whatever. Which may not have even been fair, you know. Because I think Prince probably had impossibly high standards. Because that's also what everybody said. It was just always, he was just so focused and such a hard worker. And he just never stopped. And a lot of the stuff that you see in the movie in terms of how they were making the music, which seems really comical, was apparently kind of how he worked. That they would go in and he would just start riffing. And it was this sort of free form construction of music of the songs and then it would kind of come together in that way you know even on the he was even a control he was such a control troop on the film he which is funny because the acting in the movie was so bad but he insisted that they set up an acting class on the set of the movie and they had to, every day to go three times a week uh and, and dancing and, yeah and morris day got kicked out of acting class for clowning around prince kicked him out of the onset acting class for clowning around. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Can you imagine? Print? Yeah. yeah. What a control freak. You've got to get out of here. <laughs> and Please actually, leave. 
Honestly, I thought Morris Day's acting was one of the more entertaining pieces of acting in the film. Morris Day and Jerome are fantastic, and they are such a throwback to vaudeville days or the Chitlin Circuit kind of thing. There's that whole, there's that whole riff that they have at one point about you know what's the password exactly? What's the password? Right. No, the password is what. Uh huh. Like back and forth. I'm not doing it who's at all. But it's, first. Yeah, it's total. Who's on first? You know, and there's a scene great. in the movie where and they toss that girl in the take. dumpster. Oh yeah. That's that. That really happened. That was taken from the life. Jerome tossed a girl in the dumpster who was a girl who wouldn't like a one night stand who wouldn't leave more stay alone. He actually tossed her in a dumpster, and they put it in the movie. And the studio wanted to take it out. After, so they did one screening with it in. Then they took it out and did a screening, and I guess the screening went fine too. But then they, then the director was like, "No, no, no, it's going back in," and it didn't make any difference one way or the other. But that part, the studio thought like was too much. It but was, I love that, that it I was like real part. life. Yeah, it was hilarious. It's hilarious, but again, Michael Jackson wasn't wrong. On the rewatch, this film is so incredibly misogynistic. Oh my god, the what the girlfriend beating. The girlfriend beating and there's no real like resolution of that or addressing I of hated that. that part. The I mean when the, he spous- hit. the spousal abuse to then him being abusive and and apparently the original Prince Prince had said was much darker. He wanted the original ending to be a murder suicide with the parents. The original ending was that the dad died too, and then they, yeah. at the last minute, were like, okay. That's no, murder fine. suicide. He killed the mom and then killed himself. Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't hear the murder suicide stuff, yeah. but I knew that it was supposed to be a suicide. And I somehow had remembered it as a suicide, and I was surprised yeah. watching it to see that the dad was still alive at the end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I was stunned by the, the, not as much the, Spousal abuse, but how horribly he did like the misogyny in it, and how he treated the woman in it, how he treated Apollonia. Oh my oh, God! It it I, so I many... turned to Yoko and I said, "It's like the game. It's like yeah. that whole idea about the game where you know you treat a woman really poorly, and then she just like wants you more. That whole kind Ugh, of like, I, hate, whole I hate that, thing, right? And I hate that so much. It's it's, it's, it's a horrible, so horrible manipulative. Horrible. It's like, yeah, I mean it's and I can fully tell when someone's doing that to me. Oh, and I've I have experienced it too. Oh I've, yeah, I, I totally. I mean, I can I, I think of somebody very clearly who mm. was one of the least attractive people that I was ever involved with. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you who know me are racking your brain for like, oh, I wonder if it's that person or that person. Personal personal moments it doesn't work on me at all. Well, nowadays, I think we can see through it I think it, it still lot, probably does work on some women, but, you know, I just, I like people. Well, I, I like young, people. We, young women, I think young, yeah. vulnerable women. But again, we're looking at it through a 2016 lens. Right. In 1984, I just didn't even occur to me. Like, I was just like... Oh my god, I want him. The thing I'm where sorry. the whole Lake Minnetonka scene. Oh, that was horrible. I'm adjusting my bra. My bra is too big on me. That's very sad. I think my breasts are leaving. Personal. Personal moments. I do. When we were watching it the other night, and I'm sure 
and you can speak to this being in an audience with a bunch of people for you must have it must have been even more people the, were the, gasping out loud at that, some of the stuff but when it started after the warner brothers logo goes and then you just hear the opening strains to let's go crazy and you hear him dearly beloved we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life and it is fucking eerie it is eerie and amazing and you're watch i was watching him and i was like i got chills i had chills watching it yeah I just it was crazy to see it on the big screen in a big theater i i did too it was it, it, I, I felt like I was transported back in time, 18 years old, sitting there just being titillated all over again. And he is such a star. And he's commanding. It's, it's like a preacher being up, but then just also the eeriness and prescient. Or was it prescient? But the 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 did lyrics. Did you say prescient? I did. I said prescient. She said prescient. Uh, you know, we're not gonna let the elevator break us down, right? That whole thing. And if the elevator tries to break you down, go crazy, punch a And him having gone in the elevator, which is also one of those things that, while it may not have been suicide, it does feel like there's some, like performance art. I mean, how, where else would he have gone that, could he have gone that would have been that um, impactful? You mean at could the end? Have, yeah, when he, no, when he died. I mean, when he died, in, in, they find his body in an elevator. <sighs> and the, this song, Are We Gonna Let the Elevator break, Bring Us Down? Is it Bring Us Down, Break Us Down? That, to me, was just kind of freaky and amazing. Well, you know, he he was a very clean living person. The way he ate. The way he, you know, didn't really do drugs or anything. So, so, so to be, you know, discovered with drugs in his, Perkins painkillers in his system, it's very shocking. Yes and no, because when you know more about him and you know, like we're talking about before, the pain that he was in yeah. from performing and apparently he had had hip surgery, but for many, many years he wouldn't have hip surgery because of the faith and something about wanting it to be a bloodless surgery. I don't understand all the intricacies of that. Right. Um, but just trying to survive the pain and the fact that nobody knew because of everything you're talking about too. I mean, there's all these people saying like, I never saw him take a pill. Well, even my closest friends, I don't really ever see take pills very often. And then... You know, people go to the bathroom. People, you know, it's like, I don't <laughs> yeah, find it unusual I mean, that nobody true. ever saw him take no, a pill. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe they meant they had never seen him, like, inebriated or, I don't know. Or maybe, you know, maybe. If you'd like, I will go, I will take a Tylenol right now if it will make you feel that you'd like to see me take a pill. It's not about wanting to. It's, 
I'm just saying that it doesn't strike me as I odd that people don't foreskin know. vitamin supplement in my purse a right now. Foreskin vitamin <laughs> supplement? Foreskin. It's a just, vitamin supplement really I thought I would try. Like I Just for the name. It sounds like it's time for click clackers again. <laughs> you can't walk down any street without hearing this noise. And they're clackers. Clickety clack. Don't go back. I have no idea what I just said. I um, I think because in the spirit of talking about the film and how maybe it wasn't the most well-made film, as impactful as it was, like when you get down to it, I found some uh, fun um, things that were continuity issues with the film that I thought you might Please enjoy. Please share. When Apollonia, the big, the most memorable, when she jumps into the, cleanses herself in Lake Minnetonka, I mean, we talked about that scene already. That that was like horribly. That scene was the game. He was Yoko so mean. Yoko was like, he is so mean to her. He is treating her so badly. It was horrible because he made her jump in that leg. Then he laughed. Then when he kept driving off on his motorcycle and she would come trying it on it and he'd pull. I hate that. I, I hate, hate that. people do that. I hate it so much. I wanted to slap him. I wanted to slap little tiny prince yeah. during that scene. But anyway, so when in the movie, um, when she jumps into the lake, you know, she's soaking wet. However, soon after, she's riding on the back of Prince's motorcycle and her hair is totally dry and done. <laughs> the director said that when they shot that film, I don't know if that is in your notes, but that it was so cold that it was... A, she the, got sick. It was the first day of the shoot and it was like this beautiful day and because it's Minnesota and the weather changes uh, and gets cold really fast... They were like, okay, what can we get? So they got all the aerial shots of the motorcycle. And they uh, then it's the weather was starting to change. It was starting to get colder. Then they did the Lake Minnetonka thing. She jumped in, and apparently it was so cold she wouldn't get out. So I don't know how they eventually got her out, but they shot her getting out of the lake in Los Angeles. The getting oh into God. the lake was shot in Minnesota that wow. day, but then they later on shot her getting she, out in Los Angeles. She got hypothermia. I believe it. Um, she got really sick from that. And I think as a rocker and with, you know, the things that you like to wear, you can appreciate this. I'm also watching that going like, how is she going to get back in her leathers? Like, I was thinking like, oh, that too. And then you, there's a shot of her in the background, like trying to wiggle on her pants. I'm like, and he's not even helping her. <laughs> <laughs> He would, that was a horrible That's thing. not like Minnetonka. No, it's the Silver Lake Reservoir. I don't know where it was, but... <laughs> I know. Um, it's like Hollywood. That scene where the kid goes home and find his, finds his mother crying on the porch, that hor very impactful scene, is during daytime, and then he walks in to confront his dad, and it's nighttime. <laughs> that was a good one. It changes that uh -uh. fast in the Midwest, people. When he gets a white guitar from Apollonia, right, like there... He was so mean to her. He did all these horrible things to her. And then she hawked her really important bracelet, ankle bracelet. Which you never really hear the story no, about. No, you never heard the story. She's just a prop. She's not. Yeah. He kept asking her what this ankle bracelet was that she had on and why it was so important to her. We just knew it was important. She hawked it and bought him a guitar. Which sadly For is something what? I why? probably would have done. <laughs> now let's... So ladies, tale of caution Don't here. Don't hawk things to buy presents for boys. Um, but she does, it's also, a, I, I also, I, I, and I don't think it was this intended to be this deep, but it's also kind of like this guilt offering. Like she gives it to him and then she's like, 
I'm going to be joining Morris's band. Yeah. And then he, he keeps, he beats her or slaps her. And keeps the guitar. And keeps the guitar. But um, when he got the guitar, Apollonia placed it on his lap. They kiss. His arms are still placed on the guitar. And then she tells him she's going to join Morris's group. And as he jumps up and slaps her in the face, the guitar is just gone. <laughs> it just, just wasn't, it wasn't there it's a anymore. magical guitar. Yeah. Another thing, the the symbol that would later become Prince's name for six years from 93 to 99, which is a combination of the male and female s- symbols and which came to be referred to as the love symbol. It is on his motorcycle. You can see it. It's it, the decal on his big purple Honda, whatever that that amazing motorcycle. That was one of the things too that was kind of killing me about the movie was sort of these disconnects. It's all right. He's living in his parents' basement, but he's got this regular gig at this place. He's always got the finest clothes. He's got this kick-ass motorcycle, which that thing couldn't have been cheap, but he's living in his parents' basement. So maybe that's why, because he's saving his money. Maybe that's the logic behind it, but yeah, you know, some of my students uh, live at home with their parents and they get to do a lot more fun things than I do. Like, I was like, how are they affording all those tickets, man? But I that house is that. like a little shack. Like, I the know. parents look like they're really struggling. But... but but the basement underneath is sort of uh, uh, really large. There was like a lot of, there's a lot of rooms to that basement. <laughs> like, every time we saw it, there was more rooms to it. Did you notice that? Well, here's the thing. You grew up out here. Growing up in Tornado midwestern weather world a lot of places old houses had shelters like that it's like in um wizard of oz right where they go down and and so some of them were really big i mean i the other thing is because of the winters basements and stuff would get so were so big because people would get cabin fever because you get snowed in and you could be in there with your family for days and days. So you need more room or you wow. will start beating each other. <laughs> ah, I can't even imagine that. Wow. No. Yeah. Like just a couple hours during a tornado warning with my family in a basement was always, you know, had us all on tender hooks. You know that scene in the alley where the kid knocks Morris into the pile of boxes? You can see the stunt double taking the fall and he's white. <laughs> And and when he lands on the pile of boxes, uh, it's a different, told different pile of boxes. <laughs> and they just kept all that in. Of course, because that's, you know, who's going to notice? It was a different time and, and with a low budget because I guess budgets around that time were like 9 to 12 million. So this was being made for 7 million. You know, they don't, they're not doing reshoots. They're obviously, not, they don't have somebody following continuity yeah whatever it's not like they can fix it in the avid like they do now probably match and cut stuff but but we talk about vanity yeah vanity was supposed to be in it she dropped out to do the last temptation of christ and then that never like that that kept getting delayed and it ended up not being her she was offered the part of mary magdalene Oh, wow. And yeah. then Prince and Vanity were really involved, and it was yeah. supposed to be her, and her band, Vanity Six, became Apollonia Six. Yeah. But what I also read, which goes into something that was happening throughout the viewing for Yoko and I, was any romantic scenes between the two of them, anytime that they had to kiss, it was so 
awkward. It was oh the most my God. awkward and like, so awkward. It wasn't really sexy. Their their scenes. He was no. sexy performing. They were sexy people. But it was so awkward, and the fondling was like, you know, like him coming at her from behind, and he's just like rubbing his hands up and down her body and kind of kissing her neck. She had the neck. best boobies, though, didn't she? Oh, yeah, she's built. Like I was like, brick shit house, how does as somebody have boobies like that? I also want to know, just a sidebar, where does the term built like a brick shit house come, and why is that something that would be good? Who wants <laughs> to be built like a brick shit house? I, uh... Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think anything with the term shit house in it should be st- and, it, it, and sexy. And I think you're supposed to think it's a compliment. I mean, I get it, but it, I, I just have you ever it. been told you're built like a brick shit house? No, but why would I? Come on, I don't I I don't think brick shit houses have you know a full A cup. I think a brick shit house is more a tuchis term. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or a, a jive ass term, <laughs> if you will. Neither Maybe. which I have. Now you have a, you have more of a jive ass. I I, I used to. I'm yeah, getting I know, older and my tiny. my butt's starting to disappear. They, that's that's, that's where, where half the butts leave. But that's but, where I'm. That's why I'm walking more often. Personal. Personal moments. Back to Prince and Apollonia in these awkward moments. Uh, apparently, she Apollonia was dating David Lee Ross. Uh, Ross. David Lee Roth at the time. Wow. Which I did not know. And I was thinking, well, that could definitely yeah, be no why. Account for no account for taste on her part. No, but no kind of chemistry between them. You know, I walked in on David Lee Roth getting a blowjob at the Starwood. I walked in on Paul Provenza getting a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> After a taping us. of what was the top show for comics only oh, or whatever that wow. was. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, whoop. Hold the door. <laughs> Hold the phone. Yeah, I mean, many years later, I would know Paul, and I would retell him that story. Of course, he had no recollection of it, but yeah, I was. Just... Um, that's okay because I knew Paul, and one time I got off stage, and he handed me at the improv, and he handed me his valet parking ticket because he thought I was the hostess. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, Paul. Um, that doesn't shock me. But anyway, yes. Uh, David Lee Roth getting a blowjob at the Starwood. Also, I knew the girl giving him the blowjob. Oh. She Lucky pretended to be a good girl, yet there was David Lee Roth blowjobs. You know, this is this just reminded me, the David Lee Roth thing just reminded me of another Prince connection for me. Uh, for a period of time in high school, I lived with my boyfriend's family, the Hardings, and uh, JT, who is a singer-songwriter, and he's a very successful songwriter in Nashville now, and he's also co-written a musical. He's had a lot of success, but when we were kids, JT and I, we were very odd uh, and JT was not my boyfriend. His brother Lance was. But JT and I would sit around and I would interview him. And he, like, he was a rock star, you know, being a rock star. And he was very influenced by Prince and David Lee Roth, these, like, showmen. And we bonded over our love of Prince. And JT was different from the rest of the family. I mean, he was, like, this rock star and the rest of them they were all Michigan State University everything in the house was like green and white and they're all like big football fans and like athletes and whatever and he was this powerful performer singer songwriter and Prince was a huge influence on him and 
So Prince always makes me think of JT as well. That's nice. Yeah. You know what? And and just to, to bring that like to a more general note, I think that Prince made it okay to be a little bit of a weirdo. And that goes into Cinema Sex Ed. To hear your own Ed. drummer, yes. That goes into Cinema Sex Ed, you know. And you talking about watching it, watching the film, watching Purple Rain in the group reminded me also of your, the first time that you saw it and this and the rewatch recently reminded me of us talking about our experience watching Rocky Horror. Yeah. And the gender fluidity and the fashion fluidity of, you know, male, female. There weren't, you know, I, I went to school in a very conservative, preppy place. There were not guys, maybe your experience was different out here, uh, in Indeed, Los Angeles. it was. But, you know, out here with, like, the ruffled collars and the brocade outfits and, you know, it just wasn't, and high-heeled boots that was not what you were going to see where I grew up. But it was, again, part of Prince's contribution to our sexual attitudes in this country. Really playing with gender and androgyny. And right. his music always seemed to be, whether whether it's being recorded by Cyndi Lauper. You Or him, the lyric doesn't change, you know. If I were your girlfriend, if I was your girlfriend, would you let me dress you? I mean, help me pick out your clothes before we go out. Prince was so confident in his sexuality, so you know, this is this is who I am. So I don't care what I do, you know. I don't. I don't care what people think. I don't care. This is who I am. He just had that charisma, I think, and that he sexual was confidence. So charismatic. People were just what was it? He was kind of like a Marcy this? Smolin. <laughs> 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 there was somebody who said like you you had to always be careful, you know, because here's this this tiny man in these you know high heeled boots who would like come into a room and could take your woman, you know, with this yeah. It didn't matter who how. Did say that. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. I don't know whether it was Van Jones or, but somebody was talking about that and Prince was coming lock up your women because yeah and like you said he loved women and fostered so many women's careers he was a huge fan of you know many of the female musicians we know today like Gwen Stefani, Annie DeFranco, Alicia Keys Nothing sexier than a man who loves women. Nothing is sexier in a man than that, than a man who truly appreciates, truly appreciates everything woman. And nothing makes you feel sexier than being in the presence of a man like that. It doesn't matter what they look like. 
And also if they're appreciating your sexuality without being lascivious about it. Right. Like, and allowing you to be sexual without expecting that to mean something that, like, you're going to... It makes you bloom. And so many messages in society are geared to shut down that part of women and girls. And imprints really... Or, you know, women run into... You know, people who try to shut that down. Absolutely. You know, people they run into in their lives. And, you you know, it's good that there's artists out there like Prince who you can turn on and listen to and just let your sexuality flag fly, you know, and feel pretty and sexy, sexy and free and, and all of that. And, and naughty know, and in control. Yes. I thank Prince for that. You know, I would say the Prince has saved me at several points in my life when I was feeling self-esteem lacking you know just listening to him i think that he he empowers women which is in such contrast to the story to the film the misogyny and purple rain i know not good to wendy and lisa horrible to wendy and lisa and apparently there was a scene that was cut out with them kissing there was always kind of that idea that they were lesbians. Right. Um, but it, it's never really talked about. And apparently there was a scene cut out with them. Um, but yeah, he's really shitty to them. Oh, also, do you remember, you know when he's driving around and he's got those giant mirrored sunglasses yes. that are like the size of his rear view mirrors? Uh-huh. I was like, Jesus, they're like almost the same size. I had those sunglasses. Did I you totally now? Had those oh, sunglasses. I would love to see a photograph of that. I know. I'm like, I, gotta, I wonder if I have one. I loved. Oh my god, I so wanted to emulate that. All of that. The energy that he had and his eyes. Oh my god, his eyes. Every scene, they're so big and they flash and they're. All over the place. It's just quite stunning. I think that the in the rudimentary screenwriting and filmmaking that they did, I think that his because it really was it just really is rudimentary. it was painful. Um, I think the whole Wendy and Lisa relationship was all built up to the end when he played their song, you know. But apparently, that is kind of the the dynamic. They were better trained musicians than yeah. he was self-taught. Uh, something I was reading said about that. So he did sort of turn to them for input of things. But that is the only song that when the revolution was together that he recorded that included stuff that they'd written. Wow. I know. Isn't that stunning? Because I would think differently from yeah. all the reasons you were saying. Yeah. The other thing is, is that in the movie, he's got biracial parents, and in real life, his parents were both black, which I didn't know. I thought he was biracial, but he wasn't, and it was kind of a bit of a mythology that I think he even fostered. I also think, could you imagine, like, growing up, there you are in this sort of white Midwestern suburb, and here's this guy just driving his purple motorcycle in his purple velvet suit and his... (laughs) purple velvet boots and it's just like you know whatever he goes into his little conservative house and he's dressed like the purple little lord fauntleroy you know and i love it (laughs) the other thing that struck me about the storyline was how 
big point of the plot was, oh, the okay, right. It's he's never called Prince. He's called the kid. Like, oh yeah, the the kid's really, really in trouble with his career. Oh yeah, the kid's not packing him in like yeah, the kid. What's he doing? But every performance is spectacular. The performances that they showcased and the story that they were trying to tell did not match up in terms of the kid did for the most part didn't seem to not be drawing people and how do they know that it's the kid who's not drawing people to them and he's a spectacular performer there's like yeah he's really gone downhill or whatever it is that they're saying but the kid's spectacular to watch it just there's a big disconnect there was nothing nothing and and there were things there were things that they threw out there that then you just nothing ever happened with there were so many setups that wait what when that that never resolved (laughs) itself and where did he where did he come from and and why does morris day hate him so much why does he hate him so much That scene when he was so mean to him after his father was in the hospital and then went back. Yeah. No, then went back and felt a little guilty. Like that moment when Morris Day had the real moment. And apparently Morris Day in that, in the film has like says, like has like 15 lines to him or something. And Prince never says anything to Morris Day. Oh, that's so funny. Which I didn't realize until I read that. And I thought, oh, I guess that's probably true. I love Morris Day. This was another thing that, uh, if you get the Purple Rain soundtrack, it's all the Prince stuff. You don't have the time on it. You don't have Sex Shooter on it. You don't have anything else. But all of those things were also, I mean, Prince wrote or co-wrote almost all of the music for the time. All of the music for Apollonia 6. I knew about Uh, Apollonia 6 because it was... Well, Prince and Morris Day had been in a band together too. And they, they, I mean, they started around the same time and they were, you know, they were all part of that scene. They were. It was all shot in a club called First Avenue in Minneapolis, which they all played. With. Prince uh, reportedly had an alter ego named Camille. Yeah, his feminine side. <laughs> uh, that's her on If I Was Your Girlfriend. Right, right. I love that. Yeah. What would your man alter ego be? Personal. Personal moments. Magnus Hirschfeld. Uh, <laughs> would you be a teddy bear jewish man jenny i was going back to the sex uh the sexologist from uh from the, that we talked about on the danish girl podcast ah like see if, if i think if i were a man i'd be steven tyler oh so if, well if it's an actual person oh, i think like if i were a man Tyler's i'd be some kind of oddly sexy i don't know why i find steven tyler really oh hi it's just that mouth I always just imagine sitting and on that mouth. Talented I'm sorry. and funny, and uh, yeah, absolutely. It's just like, what can you do with that mouth? Dream on, dream on. Prince used to write Joni Mitchell fan mail. Well, so this is the other thing. In Minneapolis at the time when Prince was growing up, the population of the area he was in was only like like less than two percent black, and there was one radio station that played sort of R&B, soul, funk music, but they would only play it until like three o'clock. Other than that, all the other radio stations, all the musical influences that he had uh, outside of his family and musician friends were like rock and classic. And so, yeah, Joni Mitchell, huge 
influence on him, which just makes me love him more because I'm I'm a huge Joni she, Mitchell fan. She met him. He came to a concert. She said uh, when he was 15 years old, and uh, she invited him from all his fan letters that he sent her with little hearts and everything in them. Aww. And she met him when he was 15. That's something that I wonder about. Like, at what point did he become? My name is Prince, like, did he always have that swagger? Did he always have that sly smile? Was he like a kid who sort of flirted with adult women? You know, because I see kids I like that. that. I'm he, sure you see oh this. Oh my all god, the time are you kidding? Studio, Absolutely. That you know those kids who know how to work it, and it's not like a sexual thing, but it's like a, it's this coyness and this this awareness that they're adorable or that there's something powerful about being quiet. And drawing people in. Some kids, I can think of a kid right now. Some kids that, you know, 13 years old have that confidence. They know who they are. They, and everybody is drawn to them. Like, I, sometimes I watch a class and I go, why is it that this kid walks in and everybody wants to be around them? Jackson was kind of like that. Your kid, your Oh, Jackson. yeah, he sure yeah. was. Yeah. He sure was. And I, you know, I have a, I have a kid like that right now who's also on a TV show, but that's even before he was on, you know, got the series regular, you know, I think part of the reason he got the series regular is people are just are so attracted to him is even, I remember he was in class and just everybody wanted to be around him. There was, and you know, people ask all around it's cause you know, he'll still come sometimes, you know, is, is he coming? Is he coming? Is he coming to class? And people are like that about Jackson too. Yeah. And you wonder at what point does that switch turn on and does it ever turn off like was there ever a time when prince stopped being prince and when was it and who was it with and how exhausting would it have been if if you weren't able to ever turn it off or was it was it just and like maybe no. maybe that point you bring up brings us to what happened there like where where did he go in the end right maybe it just, it could, maybe it was just too exhausting to be Prince. And not tell people, not to be able to tell people, not to have people see you and really be able to know right. what you're going through. And plus it's in such strict contrast to the tenets of his faith and the things that he, right. that he really projected. He, you know, was very anti-alcohol, anti-drugs, people in his band, right. studio, couldn't be using anything, couldn't even swear. And when you're that famous and when you've created such a persona, who do you open up to? Who do you trust? Yeah. And I, you know, especially in this day time, going back to what you were saying earlier, it's so hard to be private now. So if he was going through a struggle or a battle or whatever, who could he trust? He probably felt he couldn't trust anybody. And maybe if he could have trusted somebody, maybe there would have been a better outcome. And that well, makes me sad. And one of the people who found him was the, the guy who was going to assess him for a pain management program to try to get him off of the opiates. Yeah, I mean, how how much shame people carry around, especially with addiction. Addiction, and I'm I'm actually facilitating groups with people who are suffering from addiction now, which is a whole other world for me as well, because... 
you know, I've been a smoker and had that addiction, Diet Coke, but in terms of heavy drug use and stuff like that, right, it's never, never been, been... Yeah, me either. Thankfully. Um, I have a lot of compassion for it and I understand sure. it, but it's, it's, it's something else. And somebody as productive and high-functioning as him, as much of a control freak, how hard that must have been. Uh, and for all those reasons you're saying, like, who do you trust? Who do you tell? And this image that, and that's the thing too, speaking of the image at the end of the movie, the still on his face, like, and that's it, you know, and you're out of there after the purple rain. At big moments and that, that performance. And then there's just the, the kind of 1980s still of his face. You can laugh him, but at the same time, seeing it in the theater with all those people when it was, like you said, like almost like being in church, it was so painful, you know, to to see that movie the week he died. It was so painful, that last still. It was like, it's over, guys. The party's over. That's the party's over. Go home. And it's and the fact that nobody did. Yeah, and we all sat there. Yeah, through the old timey credits, but there he is. And I mean, he he was he's gonna be forever young. I mean, because even at fifty seven, he looked. And I think you know, he. I think he had to be Jenny. I think he. I think he's one of those, one of those people, one of those stars that had to be forever young. You sexy motherfucker. Did you see that thing on the credits at the very, very end where it said, um, let me see what it was that it said. Um, if you stayed till the very end of the credits, there's a quote and it said, may you live to see the dawn at the, it was, it was, I didn't see that. Wow. And I noticed it right away and I said something to Yoko about it and I just was like, that's so weird. It's so crazy. And I was reading one of these interviews with the director and um, he said that the next project that they hoped to do was going to be called The Dawn. This was when they were doing Purple Rain. And he said, if you notice, there's that quote at the end and it was the first reference I'd heard of it. And that was what it was referring to. And they never did do it for a variety of reasons. I just thought that was interesting. May you live to see the dawn at the end of that. Wow. Like, ooh, again, I opened up with chills, opened up the movie with the dearly beloved with chills. Yeah. So. So panties up or panties down, Jenny? At the time I first saw it, it was definitely panties down. It was panties around my ankles, flung out a car window, let the vagina fly. It was like, it was like no, <laughs> no panties without, no panties. without garter belts, was... unless it was fashion, like unless it was garter belts and, and bustiers and I'm going Oh, out. absolutely. You know, definitely all this S&M elements of fashion yes. and stuff. 
It definitely, you know, Prince and the movie itself opened me up, so it's definitely panties down. I don't think it was a panties down when I saw it, uh, you know, in the theater. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, he. It, it's hard to judge because it was so, like I said, I was feeling emotional about a lot of things when I saw it. But I still could appreciate his open sexuality. Uh-huh. And I still, in watching the movie, you know, a few weeks ago, could appreciate how how much he influenced me and 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 every and people just said how much he encouraged people to be who they were that's yeah. free flag fly that's baby free flag fly folks so i think it's safe to say that it's both boy and girl sexy it is love symbol sexy it is camille and prince sexy yes i think i was. don't think there's anyone i mean i mean think about like even the straightest guy you know loves Prince. You know, oh, like, absolutely! You know, the guys who never wear high heels, or you know, like early Prince too. If you look at pictures of him, I mean, he's running around in like like zebra print thongs. Yeah, nobody. Like, you know what? He didn't incite homophobia. He didn't make anybody question anything. You know, there was like guys. Guys appreciate his guyness, even though he was so. You know, he was so in touch with his feminine side. Women, you know, loved his feminine side and his masculine side. I mean, yes, everybody, no matter what your sexuality, your age, you know, your gender, when you were born, what you're into, whether you are wild or whether you're conservative, there was something that everybody responded to in Prince. Yeah. Maybe not at first. I know I know that there were some people who probably thought he was really fruity and weird at first, but like over time, I think it's... I think it'd be very unlikely and unusual to run into somebody who really had a negative response to him. I haven't heard anything negative uh, come out. And maybe, again, maybe I'm just in a bubble. You are so hard to find. Yeah, on the rewatch, I, you know, the panties were pretty much in place because I am so hyper aware now. Wow, that's so sexist. Yeah, and, 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 I know. and like you said, though, it seems so contrary to what my feelings and ideas are about who Prince was as yeah. a, as a man who really loved women, celebrated their sexuality, encouraged them to be sexual. But creatures. remember, that was in Prince. That was the kid. Thank you. Yeah, and, the, and he was playing a character, and it wasn't him per se. And I never saw Graffiti Bridge and and all those, other, which is supposedly a sequel, which is supposedly also really bad. And this was the only time that Prince let somebody direct him that wasn't himself. He directed everything himself that he was ever in after this, too. Although apparently he was pretty bossy on set anyway. Oh, I believe. It. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure the acting could be a real pain class. in the ass. Yeah. Maybe I'm just too demanding. Maybe I'm just like my father. encourage people to read some of the interviews he was not yeah. great with the with media with journalists he could sure. be a real like but i dick. love that i love it you can dance if you want to other critics love you in new york 
but he did he deserved that he had earned that he was a true talent a true genius a voice of a generation and beyond not just my generation i mean my half sisters who were weren't even around they weren't born till 1988 you know they weren't around yeah. 1984 very influential on on them so in terms of if it stands the test of time we'll see i don't know but i hope everybody shares with their children and grandchildren and i music do too and at least maybe the movie and the music a yet to come yeah who knows what's to come class you have behaved very well today so go out this week and let your freak flag fly. And remember who died for you, right? He's, <laughs> he's wow, a, Jenny. He's a human. He's a dove. He's your conscience. He is wow. love. Princess died for you, right? <laughs> Oh my goodness! That's right. I would die for you. Oh, and the other thing is, yes, we're wrapping, and I always do this, but the one other thing I kept thinking is the way we text today, too. The language and the shorthand we use that really started with Prince. You know, the "I would die for you," the the four four as four, yeah. That was Prince. Prince invented texting. Before there was texting. Go with Prince. All right. And uh, play well at recess. No running in the halls and no telling people to jump in Lake Minnetonka. Well, you can tell them to jump. But make sure that they know that that's not Lake Minnetonka. And their titties might get cold. Bye. Bye.